everybody in the distance, two red-tailed hawks copulating at two o'clock. <laughs> and people lose their minds to see these <laughs> birds. That's Deirdre Loftus, and on today's episode, how an unexpected hobby turns into a lifelong friendship. From NCPR and the Adirondack Center for Writing, this is The Howl. True stories, no notes, live on stage in the North Country. I'm Ethan Shanty. You know, I never intended to be on the radio. If you had asked me 20 years ago, where will you be? A radio station probably wouldn't have even been in the top 10. I definitely had my eyes set on big concert halls and book signings. But of course, life had other plans. I still play music and I still write, but I'm very much a radio guy. And I owe that all pretty much to one person. See, when I was at SUNY Potsdam, most of my friends had joined the college radio station 90.3 WAIH The Way. And for me, it was just a cool place to hang out. My oldest friend John also went to SUNY Potsdam. He convinced me to come and sit in on some shows. My friend Appleyard turned me on to some great new releases that they were getting at the station. But that was really about the extent of my interest. But it was my friend Jamie who said, well, if you're here, you might as well start training to do it for real. I took to it pretty much half-heartedly, really only doing it because I didn't want to let Jamie down, and then when I was done with my training, I kind of forgot about it. Until a few weeks later, she said, I've scheduled your air test, don't be late. And so, I showed up and I did all the necessaries. I played CDs, played a record, read a PSA, took a phone call request, I did my transmitter readings, and I found the whole thing kind of exhilarating. A few weeks later, I found myself hosting an all-vinyl show, Thursday nights at 11 o'clock. And really, I thought that's where it would end. I graduated college, I started looking for jobs, and I came up with basically nothing. Until one day, my phone rang, and it was my old concert band instructor from high school, Andy Van Dyne. He'd become the program director over at 99 Hits FM, a country station situated in a small trailer on the side of the road that played country music round the clock and NASCAR races on Sunday. He said, I heard you've got some radio experience, and somebody just quit. So what do you say I put you on the air for a few hours every afternoon? And so here I am, over a decade later, and radio is basically the only real job I've ever had. And I love it. And I owe that all to Jamie. So thanks. You never know when someone's going to cross your path and change your life forever. And on today's episode of The Howl, it's an unlikely bond, not over radio, but over bird watching. Here's Deirdre Loftus, live on stage at the 2018 Howl Grand Slam in Saranac Lake. I think that... Birding is the only sport that people start doing after they go through menopause. Um, and yes, we in the birding community do think that birding is a sport. And we in the birding community like to pretend that it's really cool, too. So bear with me tonight if you think birding is not cool, because it is. This is a thought that I find myself having um, as I'm sitting in a car next to my friend named Helen. Now, Helen is the sexiest 94-year-old that I know. Uh, she is smart, and she is sassy, and she just got married to a 72-year-old <laughs> named Peter. Um, I'm sitting in this car with Helen, and I ask her, Helen, when did you start birding? And she says to me, very plainly, well, I was in an abusive marriage. My husband refused to divorce me. I had a date on the calendar and a plan for killing myself. I was walking through the park one day, and I saw an eared grebe. 
It was the most magnificent thing I had ever seen. So I got a bird book, I identified it. The next day I went back to the park, I identified another bird and another bird and another bird. Before you know it, my suicide date came and went, birding saved my life. Now this was not the response I was expecting <laughs> to this very generic question. Even more so, I was not expecting Helen's continued response, which was, the best part is, he wouldn't divorce me because he knew I'd get half his money. I come home one day, he dropped dead in the shower, I got everything. <laughs> Helen is one of around 20 people that I find myself with uh, in Montana. I am fresh out of college. I moved from the beaches in South Carolina to the prairie lands in Montana, and I look nothing like the rest of the birders in this community. I am the only person who still has pigment in my hair. Again, the only person who likely has not gone through menopause, uh, and I know virtually nothing about birds. But I listen to Helen's story, and I know she is someone I want to keep hanging out with. Um, so in this caravan, sorry, there's around 20 people in a caravan of seven cars. Every car is equipped with a walkie-talkie, radioing, radioing to each other things like, flock of five robins, three o'clock, or sandhill cranes flying overhead at noon. And it is mind-blowing. All the cars are stopping, traffic behind us is getting mad, they're honking, uh, and the birders don't care at all. So at Helen's request, we pull over at a sizable bush so that she can relieve her bladder. And she gets out of the car. She just got knee surgery. She was pretty spry, but she was recovering. She goes, Ruth, Elaine, Joan, I'm going to need three of you. Come on, girls. I need your help. Peter, you can't come. And I watch as these four women giggle their way to this bush. And it looks oddly similar to four 21-year-olds at a bar at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I have no idea and cannot picture what they looked like behind that bush or why three people were needed and where they were placed around Helen's body. Um, but I know they were giggling the entire time. And I thought, that is what I want to be like when I grow up. Uh, so I want to keep coming back for more. Uh, week after week, I keep showing up, and week after week, these birders keep pretending that I am part of their flock. Uh, so the next field trip comes up, and I get to know Sheila as my next birding friend. Now, Sheila is the owner of a wildlife rehabilitation facility, and her and I are talking, and mid-sentence, while she's speaking to me, a group of Canada geese flies overhead. And I know everyone in this room knows what a Canada goose looks like. They all look the same, right? Canada geese fly overhead mid-sentence. She says, oh, Norman, Norman, I'm so glad you found a flock. Walk, walk, that's so great. We just rehabilitated him. <laughs> the group of birders doesn't even blink an eye at Sheila literally trying to speak bird. And I thought to myself, I need to keep hanging out with this woman. I could not get enough of her. So later that week, I find myself at 4 o'clock in the morning, carpooling with Sheila to go and find a greater sage grouse. We didn't find it. And I think to myself, the last time I was awake at this hour, 
was six months ago at a fraternity house dancing on a bar. And I realize how different my life looks for the better, right? Um, so again, I keep coming back for more. The next week, I meet a man named Will. He tells me, call me the bird man, and tells me to store him in my phone with that contact. Um, Will tells a joke to the group. He says, hey, everyone, if a trumpeter swan can't trumpet, then does that make it a mute swan? <laughs> oh, we've got birders in the room. <laughs> and everyone bellies over laughing at this joke. I don't understand the joke quite yet. Um, and Will notices that I don't understand the joke. So he kind of, again, takes me under his wing uh, and tries to mentor me through the day, talking to me about birds, showing me the ropes. And he and I have our binos up. We're looking in the distance. He's teaching me about the importance of scanning. And again, mid-sentence, Will says, everybody in the distance, two red-tailed hawks copulating at two o'clock. <laughs> And people lose their minds to see these f birds. <laughs> and I sit back and watch these birders bird, and again, am amazed at how stoked they are for something that seems A, impossible to see, and B, like, not that cool. Um, but I'm interested, and I want to keep coming back for more. <laughs> So it's been three years since I moved away from Montana, and I have since not gone through menopause, though I have become an experienced birder. I'm just as nerdy as all of the people who I met in Montana. And every now and then, I think back to them. Uh, I think back to when I was new to a community, to when I was fresh out of college, to when I knew no one and looked nothing like the people that I was trying really hard to be a part of. Uh, and I remember how they opened me, they welcomed me with open arms and enthusiasm and kindness. Uh, and I am very grateful for that. All of them were a little bit different from each other and all of them had different opinions, but they loved each other and they loved anyone who was new and anyone who was a stranger. So I hope that I will be that kind when I'm 94, squatting behind a bush <laughs> with my two favorite gals, because every Norman deserves to find their flock. Thank you. <laughs> thanks to Deirdre for the story, and thanks for joining us for The Howl. Now get outside and watch some birds already. The Howl is written, produced, and edited by me, Ethan Shanty, with editorial supervision by David Summerstein. Live audio is captured by Doyle Dean. Bill Hanel is our digital guy, and Caitlin Kelly is our social media superhero. Music on this episode by famous letter writer of Plattsburgh. The Howl is a co-production of NCPR and the Adirondack Center for Writing in Saranac Lake. You can find more episodes and support the show, plus find out when we're going to be telling stories in your hometown by visiting ncpr.org slash howl. This is NCPR North Country Public Radio. Radio.